0: What's going on guys, Zach here. Before we dive into this episode, I want to have you reflect upon what it is you're about to actually listen to. This is a conversation between myself and Samuel S. Thorpe. Sam is a priest in the Church of England, and he is going on a pilgrimage. Nobody asked him to do this. Nobody told him, man, you should go for a really long walk. But it's much more than just the walk. It's much more than just taking like, hey, I'm going to go for a stroll. It's not the distance. It's the act it's the intentional step throughout the entire journey and in that i want you to recognize how much more significant it is than just going on a walk just going on a stroll sam has taken on this challenge for so much more than we can comprehend and i'm incredibly pumped and proud of my my friend you know personally but also of just the example he's setting for others to go out and do that's something we need in the world and, you know with all the darkness going on it's amazing that we have this light Choosing to walk around, choosing to put himself out there, choosing to be that beacon of hope for all others, and hopefully many are inspired by it. I know I am. You know, what I'm going to do, I'm not sure, but it's just incredible to see these acts and these feats of strength and commitment and loyalty to the faith play out in the real world. Just keep that in the back of your mind as you're going through this conversation. I'd also like to give a shout out to our sponsor, PeacefulFathers.com. When we talk about intentional steps, and we talk about intentional actions, Anthony Migliorino is talking and writing and speaking and engaging and educating you on exactly how to do that with your children. Being a great father doesn't magically happen. It's not something that comes natural to men. It should be researched. When you ask men, how many books have you read on parenting? They can't give you an answer. But when you ask them about sports, when you ask them about history, when you ask them about business or finance or anything like that, working out, they've got lists and lists of books and articles and blogs. But parenting? You kind of just wing it. That doesn't have to be the case anymore. Similar to Sam taking each step intentionally, so too can you take each action and moment and memory intentionally. You can bring them to fruition, and you can behave in a manner that you mean to, that has a purpose, to greater connection with your children. So go to PeacefulFathers.com or follow Anthony on his social media accounts at Peaceful Fathers for more. Now let's dive into this discussion with Samuel Thorpe, and let's talk about this priest's pilgrimage. Welcome to the Family Alpha Podcast.
1: A place where men, families, and the truth have a voice. The information shared on this podcast is meant to be applied. Now, here
0: is your host, Zach Small, founder of theFamilyAlpha.com and co founder of theFraternityOfExcellence.com. Let's get to work. Welcome back to another episode on the Family Alpha Podcast. Today I am very excited to speak with my special guest Samuel Thorpe. Sam is a friend. Honestly, I call him the best friend I've never met. <laughs> we go back years. Sam is taking on a pilgrimage in the literal sense, and that's something I'm very excited to see play out. Very rarely do men take on such adventure in our modern age, but that's what we're seeing play out here. And before it kicks off, which I believe is June 9th, I wanted to June talk to. So it is June 9th. All right, I wanted to talk to him about the inspiration for it. You know the meaning behind it, and what he expects this to bring, not just to his life, but all those who are watching this play out. Sam, welcome to
1: the show. Thank you. It's always good to speak to you. Uh, Likewise, best friend that I rarely ever actually get to talk to properly. So it seems that to have a proper conversation, I have to come on your podcast. (laughs) We have to record it for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) It would be too good to
0: just keep to ourselves, though. It would be selfish. Now, Sam did make a video for this event. So we're going to listen to a quick clip of that video, specifically marking, you know, where he's going, why he's doing it. And then after that, Sam's going to break down again, the journey, the, the, the meaning behind it. And then we're going to dive into a deeper discussion on a much broader topic. But we'll get to that when we get there. So for now, I'm just going to throw it to Sam and we're going to kick that off. But if you want to watch the video in its entirety, there is a link below.
1: So sharing my screen. And here's the clip. My name is Samuel, and I am a priest in the Church of England, serving as curate here in the Dis team ministry, a team of 11 churches in the Diocese of Norwich. On the 9th of June, it is my intention to make a pilgrimage to the cathedral in which I was ordained, first deacon and then priest. The cathedral is in the city of Norwich, some 27 miles from where I will begin, here in the town of Dis. Early in the morning I shall set out on my way through the parishes of Burston, Gissing and Tivitzel, stopping at each of their churches, churches which are part of our team of 11. It's about 8 miles to Tivitzel, and then I shall be in unfamiliar territory as I cross the train tracks to get to Aslacton, before heading by Fawnts at St. Mary's, as we head across the Norfolk countryside, pausing at various churches along the way, until we approach the city of Norwich, tracing a route via a handful of the city's many churches, until at last I arrive at the cathedral. This will be my longest walk yet, and I believe it will take about eight to nine hours of walking time. For much of this, I so that's sort of an overview of the journey that i'm going to be taking on the 9th of june Uh, as i go on to say in that clip for most of the journey i'll be doing it by myself and it was quite important to me that this be a solitary thing that i should go on my own at my own pace taking what i need for the journey with me however there will be a stretch in the middle of the day where i'm fortunate to be joined by my bishop the bishop of norwich one graham usher who is going to join me for lunch and walk with me for about an hour, maybe two. And then later at the close of the day, when I actually arrive at the cathedral, the Dean of the cathedral is going to greet me and allow me in to say some prayers. So that's my snapshot overview of what's happening on June 9th. Now, the
0: first question that's going to come to the minds of many is why, what inspired this and why are you doing this? You know, with, the world the way it is you know all the craziness going on it seems like everybody is kind of bunkering down and and staying put yet here you are going on a pilgrimage it's going to take you multiple hours to walk
1: oh yeah I mean I like I said I think it's going to take me eight or nine hours to walk it because I'm not hurrying I'm not doing this as a sport or an athletic endeavor I want to make good time but I mainly want to make the journey and you say, what is it that makes me want to do it? Well, actually, the world being the way it is with the lockdowns and the restrictions we've had. I mean, I can't speak for what restrictions you've had over in the States, but here for a good long uh stretch of a couple of months, we weren't able to really leave the house. We could go to the shops uh, once a week to do a grocery shop. Um, If even at that point, ideally, it was only one person from your household. Some stores would only let one person from a household, so you couldn't even go as your family. But what you could do was take a daily walk for exercise. And in a sense, that's what I'm thinking of as the recent birth of this idea. Being shut down in a house and unable to get around and meet with people. Obviously, as a priest, that's one of the main things I spend my time doing, spending time with people, going to meetings, visiting people to prepare for funerals, visiting people to prepare for weddings. Uh, preparing for sermons, services all all of that is very people orientated and whilst there is a lot that you can do at home it was a thoroughly different experience uh, being locked down as it has been for everyone but I found that the daily walk became not just a a luxury but an essential aspect of my day partly for mental health you know just so you don't bounce off the walls and I've had a great deal of sympathy for those who have been locked down in cities uh, particularly in high-rise flats i Think I would have gone stir crazy myself. Uh but you know, there's a walk and then there's a walk. And I found that as the summer went on, my sort of two, three mile wandering around town into liver fields and so on, uh, got longer and longer. Until one day my wife called me and was like, Are you okay? Like, uh you <laughs> seem to have been gone a while. And I was like, Oh yeah, no, um, I've just accidentally walked uh, 10 miles. I'll be home in half an hour or so. And I've done long walks before, but that was a moment where I was like, yeah, I'm actually enjoying going the further distance and the space and the rhythm and the movement that it gives my head. And I'm a kind of person where when I spend enough time in my own head, I actually naturally drift into prayer. I start thinking and reminiscing and perhaps overthinking and analyzing, how did I say this? What do I need to do? Okay. I could take this approach with that. And after a while, I will start sort of speaking to God in my head and saying, okay, Lord, so what is it that I should do here? Like, What's your wisdom on this? And just letting it sit within my soul and seeing what happens. And so out of my walks gradually getting longer and longer, the idea came of, well, it'd be really good to do a much longer walk, like a significant walk, not one where I'm just leaving my house and Getting home a couple of hours later, but I want to start somewhere and go somewhere. And I wasn't sure what to do. And yeah, we we all listen to podcasts around here. That's what we're talking on. And obviously, there's been podcasts like Joe Rogan and many others where you hear of people doing expeditions and they're canoeing down exotic rivers and they're cycling all the way around the world or they're doing all these incredible things. And It was just fuel for my imagination to be like, okay, well, actually, all it is really is me putting one foot in front of the other until I say stop. And I can probably find somewhere that's meaningful to me that I can make that trip with. And so I started looking around. And for those that don't know, in the Diocese of Norwich, which is in the county of Norfolk, Norfolk has a place called Walsingham, which is a point of English uh, pilgrimage. There's quite a few pilgrimages within England, but Walsingham is quite well known because there was an apparition of Mary that happened, um, forgive me, I'm not Anglo-Catholic enough to know the exact dates, but about 100 or so years ago. And so it's quite common that you'll get people walk from Berries and Edmunds or from Cambridge up to Walsingham. You get people who will make a yearly trip down from as far away as Durham or Newcastle um, just to head to that site. So I initially wondered about heading there, But it didn't quite rhyme as a reason. It felt like I would be going on almost someone else's pilgrimage, sort of being like, oh, I want to do a long walk, and that's a pilgrimage, so let's do that. And I'm coming up to the end of what's called a curacy, which for those who aren't familiar with one, it's kind of like an apprenticeship for vicars. Basically, I was ordained deacon in 2018, and in 2019, I was ordained priest. And during this time, since I've been here in the dis team ministry, and I have a boss who is the rector. There is also a team vicar who I work with. But between the two of them, they provide an example for me to learn how to do priestly ministry. So I've had experience doing weddings, funerals, taking the Eucharist, uh, preaching, you know, hospital visits, whatever. And I'm coming to the end of that time. And so within the next year or so, I will be looking for a new position, probably as either a rector or a team vicar in another team of parishes somewhere else, which means I'm coming to the end of my time with a group of people that I've come to know and love that I've been serving for the last few years. And I wanted to see if there was a way of giving something back to them, not that I haven't been giving to them, but they... In a sense, they think that they've been very lucky because they've had the experience of me preaching and me serving them and doing what I've done. But in reality, I'm the one that's benefited because I've had an amazing training experience over the last three or so years with people who have given me the space and the time and the experience I need to really become the priest that God wants me to be. And so the time I have spent with these people over the last three years is genuinely going to shape the next 40 years of my life. And so as I sort of start thinking about leaving, it would be wonderful to give something back in the way of some sort of fundraising, particularly in a year where giving has been so difficult for so many churches. And so that got me thinking, it would be great to do something starting from our churches. And then it's kind of just popped into my head on one of my walks one day. I should go to the cathedral. That's in Norwich. Uh, it's a cathedral where I was ordained deacon and where I was ordained priest. People from my church came to support me at that service, and there's sort of a strong link there. And so I started thinking, yeah, I mean, I don't know how far away it is. It seems like quite a long way. So I spent some time researching, looking at various maps. And it turns out that the cathedral, as the crow flies in a direct straight line, is basically 26 miles from my church in this. Walking, that turns into 27, almost 28 miles, uh, because obviously you don't walk in an entirely straight line. But the beauty about the number 27 is that obviously it's so close to 26, which immediately gives you a frame of reference for planning something like this, because you can talk about marathons, and there's a lot of websites out there for people who are learning how to run a marathon, learning how to walk a marathon, half marathons, 10Ks, 5Ks, all of that kind of thing, and so we can talk about that in a lot of it in terms of the practicalities. But it sort of suddenly felt very doable, and it felt worthwhile. And this was back in November, December, and so I thought, well, if this is something I want to do, I'm going to put the time in and start doing some longer walks. I'm going to push myself. I'm going to go beyond the ten miles to twelve miles. I'm going to go beyond the twelve miles to fifteen miles. I'm going to go beyond the fifteen miles to eighteen miles, and see how I'm faring for time because I didn't want to start something that I wasn't confident of completing and around Easter time I spoke to my boss and was like this is something I'd really like to do he said yes go for it make it happen contacted the bishop who was very enthusiastic contacted the cathedral also very enthusiastic got a date in place made the video launched it live now I'm talking to you about this intention to do it Before we give you space to answer any questions, I do want this to be a pilgrimage rather than just a hike. I don't wanna just walk 27 miles and ask you to sponsor me a pound or a dollar per mile. I'm much more interested in doing this as a prayerful activity. And so we're gonna start from my church here in this. We're going to go through four of the churches within our team of 11 churches. On the way and stop at in total about 19 churches on the way to the cathedral. And my plan is I'm going to take this notebook with me, um, in which I'm writing the names of all those who have supported me, i.e., those who have donated on the Just Giving page, but also anybody who messages me or asks for prayer for anything. And so the idea is that I will have, I already have quite a few pages of names written in this. Um, Some just names, some with specific intentions. And I will be praying for people along the way because that's something that, as a priest, I genuinely believe is something that we should offer one another. Time spent in prayer before God for one another's needs and well-being. And I believe that that will also be a major tangible benefit to our team of churches and to those who support and request prayer. And uh, we can talk more about how you can Request prayer later on.
0: You know, the the aspirational and inspirational aspects to this, I, I don't believe they can be overlooked. For anybody just hearing that quick blurb, you know, I see this though as something much more grand than all right, my friend is taking a walk. Mm. You know, this it goes so much further than that. You know, and that's something that I don't want to be lost. And I do want to discuss in that. When you're going through and you're saying these prayers and you're stopping at these sites, it's all intentional. And when we talk, I speak a lot about, you know, living life with intention. Every step you take will have purpose. And very rarely can an individual maintain that tempo of focus for each step. You know, it's very easy to get distracted, to get lost, to to want to stop or take a break. What do you believe you'll be holding on to as you go through each of this? you know, it starts to rain sideways. You know, is it, is it the names in the book? Is that at each step, that's what's going through your head? Is it your relationship with God and, and his calling to you and your, your response to him saying, I will do this. And that's, what's going through your head. You know, what is it? That's just rotating in there in Sam's head, as you're going through step by step for hours on end. It's
1: hmm. a very good question and I'm not going to answer it in a, a head on way. I said that the inspiration for this walk, sort of this recent birth, came from the daily walk in COVID lockdown. And that's completely true. That's the recent imminent uh, inspiration behind this. But walking and spirituality has played a long role in my life. Um, For those of you that are completely unfamiliar with my story, I grew up the son of a vicar. My mother's father was also a vicar. My name is Samuel, which means the one who hears God, the one who is called by God, the one who is heard by God. And so I I like to say that, you know, I was doomed. I was always going to end up being a priest, even though until the last few years, I spent my whole life saying, no, I'm not going to be a vicar like my father. I had a very difficult breakup when I was about 17. Yeah, about 17. And... My reaction to that, it was my first proper relationship. We've been together a couple of years, and I did not handle it very well at all at the end. And I believed that, first, that the relationship had been what God's will was for my life, and that I had messed up his plan, I had ruined everything. And secondly, that it was completely my fault, and that I needed to punish myself. And so the way that I punished myself was through uh, self-harm. I took physical penance upon myself, and I have a series of scars across my shoulders, which now have faded. But my plan at the start was I will cut myself once a day, every day for 50 days, and that will be what I deserve for having ruined God's plans for my life. And uh, I, I tend to say it slightly glibly, but you know, it turns out that that kind of action is habit forming, and it's very difficult once you enter into that spiral to get out of it. I then went to university and started studying theology and I went to a Christian place where everyone else was a believing Christian. My first few weeks there, I felt like a total fraud because I was still struggling with this self loathing with this doubt. My faith was not in a good place. I spent time actively trying to pray and to prevent myself from giving into the temptation to hurt myself. But I found what helped the most was taking long walks, often in the middle of the night, because I was somewhat of an insomnia, because during this time, I also had horrendous nightmares. Um, Basically, my subconscious was torturing myself about everything that I had done. And it would spend my evenings staying up as late as I could to be as tired as I could so that I wouldn't have to fall asleep and dream. And so I started going on walks, not as long as these recent ones. But still reasonably long uh, through various parts of London, around the Harrow sort of area, around Wembley and so on, in a full length leather trench coat and cowboy hat, because that was how I lived at that point. And I had some sort of really interesting moments of prayer, really sort of just pouring my heart out to God and saying, you know, "What, what have I done? How can you love me? What's going on? Um, you know, I had times where I would walk down alleyways where you had homeless people who had been taking drugs. I had one occasion where I was absolutely bricking it because I was in a really bad place emotionally. And I suddenly realized I'm walking down this road at about half past one in the morning and the working men's club had just closed. And out of it came a group of about 15, maybe 20 uh, young men all in uh, tracksuits, suits um, you know what we would call chavs all drunk all boisterous walking towards me and i'm suddenly like oh i have not paid attention to my scenario what do i do and so i just started praying i was like lord please be with me as i'm doing this and i was like i'm just gonna have to walk straight out them and see what happens and uh you know whether it was prayer or whether it was just someone very determinedly walking towards them in a full-length leather trench coat and cowboy hat at half one in the morning, they all spotted me, crossed the road to avoid me, and walked on past very quietly. And then noise kicked up again, and I was like, But it was a moment where I was pretty sure that actually God was with me. This then led me to the moment which changed everything for me. I went to a day on prayer at a church in london and it was one of those things where you learn how to pray with other people or how to because you want to pray in a helpful way with other people particularly if they've just asked you for prayer around something that's very emotionally difficult you don't want to speak as if you know what god is going to do for them particularly if it's exactly what they want to hear but might not actually be what happens for instance, say you have someone who has just suffered a miscarriage and they desperately want to have kids. And they say, please pray for me. I'm How do I deal with this? You do not want to lead in with going, I know that God is saying that you're going to have five children and your life is going to be fine. It was that kind of a prayer day training. And a lot of it was very good, solid advice. I got to the end of it and they were having a final worship session and they had a final call for, you know, if you haven't been prayed for yet today, come forward and we'll pray for you. So I was like, okay, sure. Uh, Well, I haven't. So, you know, I'll go and get prayed for. They start praying for me. And I've always found it funny and peculiar when people fall over. But I fell over flat on my face and uh, lay on the floor. I had my eyes shut and was like part of me was still praying. Part of me was like, what's going on? This is not not something I'm interested in, (laughs) to be quite honest. I saw a whole load of images flash past my eyes, which I've never remembered since. And then I very suddenly and very clearly and um, loudly heard various passages of the Bible coming through my head. Um, He was pierced for your transgressions. By his stripes you have been healed. Uh, They mocked him, they beat him, they spat upon him and pulled his beard, uh, verses from Isaiah, verses from Jesus being on the cross, uh, verses from Paul in his letters Um, talking about by the blood of Christ we have been purchased for redemption. And then a line from Revelation where God says, Behold, I am making all things new. And everything went completely silent, completely quiet. And I just heard this voice say, If you need to cut, I will be your knife. And I completely understood in that one moment that every self-inflicted injury I had done to myself, the scars on my shoulders and the blood that had run down my arms had already happened for me when Jesus was killed on the cross. And that actually any anger and any shame and any difficulty that I had, he was big enough to take. And that actually I could throw all of that emotion onto his shoulders and he would carry it for me. I didn't realize just how much of a difference that day was going to make to me but I've never had the desire to self-harm since. And the way that all of my friends would describe me is that I became calm. I became quieter, not in the sense of being shy, but just in the sense of my energy was no longer that nervous, tense, bouncing around (laughs) type energy that I didn't even really realize I had. And so that kind of experience then joins with me in my walks, because when my mind turns to God, and it eventually does, that is the sense that I have. Not of something big and dramatic every time, but that reassurance of the confidence I can have in the intimacy of what God has done for us. And so when I'm walking on this pilgrimage, it won't be really something that I'm doing to be good enough or to be a faithful walk for God, such as if I could earn something, but rather it will be a response to what he's done for me. When I respond to something that has changed my life in that kind of a way, when I respond to something that has ultimately brought me to the place of being a priest, taking the next step doesn't seem too difficult. I have no doubts in my mind that I will get to the next church and I will pray for the next people because it's not something necessarily that I'm deciding to do because I want to seem impressive or because I want people to be like, oh yeah, he's that guy that did 27 mile walk. But rather it's a response to what God has already done for me in a very personal way that I want to invite you all to be a part of and to pray for you as a part of so that I can kind of carry you with me.
0: Are you aware through all of this, what it is you're doing in the lives of others. And and what I mean by that is you aren't doing this for the pat on the back of the attaboy. I'm well aware of that, but there are going to be a lot of people watching you and not just those, you know, you'll have plenty of friends watching you cheering you along. Like, get it. I cannot wait to see the end myself included. I cannot wait to talk to you after this. Just the enormity of it is incredible. But there are gonna be many others, many of your peers who will see this and they will find that flame lit within their soul in their calling and finding what is my version of that pilgrimage. Has have you given any thought to that? Because when you're in it, it's it's you. Like you said, it's you walking, it's your personal trip. But this is so much more than just you. This is about more than you. And it's it's already grown beyond you. I looked at your page, you know, I'm seeing the comments being made. This is this is beyond just Sam, you know, it's not a secret anymore. Yeah. Is that playing any role or is that entering your thoughts at all?
1: I think that one of my weaknesses, um, which is also one of my strengths in a weird way, is that I tend to think that I've not made that much of an impact on people's lives. I, I know that people say it and it's very flattering and it's nice, but one of the underlying drivers for why I want to do the kinds of ministry that I'm in is a desire to be useful in people's lives. And so I often say that one of the most rewarding things that I do is funerals because it's one of those few moments where you can be really confident that if you've done a good job, a family that is in the process of grieving has been helped in saying goodbye to their loved one. In a moment, you know, that's only going to happen once. You're only going to say goodbye to your father once. You're only going to say goodbye to your daughter once. And to have been a part of that is a very tangible impact. But everything else beyond that, to be honest, it's really hard for me to visualize. And so I I appreciate it when people say, oh, that was a real inspiration. But I think the way that I will uh, recognize that will probably be once the fruits of it have come. It's not so much about the seeds of, new trees being planted, um, to put in a new acorn in the ground. I can't see that acorn in the ground. But in six months time, when you have the sapling coming up and you're beginning to see the first of the green leaves and you see someone starting to do something different and you actually see it coming out in their life and you're like, oh wow, it's really cool what they're doing. And then suddenly they say, oh, you had a part in this. And it's like, oh, that's that's a humbling moment for me. But it's it's not something I'm very good at engaging with if that makes sense
0: no it does and that's fair you know it's, it's one of those things from an outsider looking in it's much easier for me to talk about observe what you're doing from the inside looking out it's a totally different perspective you know that but that's why i wanted to have this talk is mm. through the man's eyes himself the man in the arena the man doing the walk that's i can't i can i can see what i'm seeing i can say the things i think are happening but you're there you know you're the yeah. one doing this and this is the i mean you have what two weeks? Yeah, two weeks tomorrow. So we're, we're 15 days out, you know, and for that, you know, for those listening to this now, and they're like, oh, wow, like, I didn't know this was happening. This is great. You know, how can I, how can I support or maybe they have loved ones that they do want prayed for. You said you're carrying your notebook. What inspired that to start collecting so you could take as many names as you could and recognize each and keep each in your heart and your
1: prayers? Uh, my memory is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent answer. Is, i love the honesty <laughs> this is something that people often don't understand about uh, rituals and symbolism you have lots of things that happen in a service that people think oh wow there must be a really profound reason for why that that detail happens and normally it's just very practical so for instance when you're doing what we call the ablutions and you're clearing up the 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 chalice and the pattern after you've done the eucharist you know someone comes and they hold the water for you and they pass it to you and they nod and you nod and you take it and you put it in and you rinse the cup and then you drink the water and then you pass the water back to them and there are elements of symbolism and things going on there in terms of serving one another being um, a collaborative effort you know all that kind of thing but actually someone passing you something is just being very practical otherwise you have to go all the way over to the side and grab the thing to clean it up and actually what people want is the prayer that follows and there's new, countless examples that come up in church and religious life and this notebook is one of them I would have people in my mind and I would pray for them and that would be fine but people ask for prayer and I'd say oh yeah I'll pray for you but it's one of the things I can't stand is when people say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you, and that's all they do. The expression of saying you're going to pray for someone, whilst a nice gesture, um, doesn't really do anything if you don't actually then go and pray for them. It's like telling your friend that's uh, done a book, oh, yeah, I'd love to read your book, but you never actually go and buy the book. And so although you've expressed your support for your friend and you've given them a verbal affirmation that what they have done is worthy, if you don't actually buy the book, you've not really done it. And I view it that way with prayer. If someone's going to ask me to pray for them and I say, yes, I will pray for you. I need to actually pray for them. And it's been really nice, actually, because I've had messages from longtime followers and so on who never interact with anything that I tweet. They never like it. They never whatever. But they suddenly see it and they come into the DMs and they say, oh, if it's not too much bother, um, you know, if you will have time. Could you pray for me and and so on and my response has been i'm going for a 27 mile walk i have time let me write you down in my notebook and i will be glad to spend you know a while praying for each of you by name in my notebook and that includes whether you submit your name on the just giving as just anonymous like god knows who that anonymous person is i will take the time to pray for them um how much time it's kind of hard to quantify until it happens. I will be praying for different people as I walk, but then I will also probably pay pray for a page at each church, um, specifically. So there will be a couple of moments of prayer for each person. I want to take a moment
0: for a shameless plug in. You do have a book out there. You have all of your poems out there. You also have your blog. You also have your sermons recorded. So there are links to all of Sam's work below. Go buy, listen, read. It is worth it. Back this to this. <laughs> this is my book. Say, back to our our discussion, but yes, glimpses. Yeah, no, but the, the it's, poems. It's
1: I. And uh, well, the, the reason why I, I mentioned that the, the poems, as you brought it up, is that that's one of the other things I'm hoping will come out of this pilgrimage. Um, wonderful. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's very cool to see like a good friend such as yourself who's on the other side of the world have something that I made. Isn't that wild? This was a thought.
0: This is, these are thoughts from your mind and across an ocean. I can hold this and I can read it. And every now and then I can flip
1: through it and Hey, Sam, Whoa. (laughs) And, and actually this is just in joke moment type thing. But actually this morning I have ordered your book again as a gift for someone's birthday. That's coming up. There we go. That should hopefully be arriving tomorrow. So yeah, it's, Moments like that that help bring the world out a little bit smaller and help the sense of connection.
0: You know, as we go through this, I think it's entirely important that now we do address the fact that as you're going through this, you know, you took this on, you're going on this walk. This is happening no matter what kind of weather you're mm-hmm. facing. We're talking rain, we're talking shine. This is going on. Have you, have you trained, have you done like, water training have you done you know walking through the rain mapping it out you know you're not going to be walking through like some like dog you know infested area where there's wild dogs or anything have you mapped the course to the degree of knowing where you should and should not be going in this
1: it's funny you say that not wild dogs but wild cows um so i haven't mapped well so i grew up in devon which was a dairy farming area so i've grown up walking through fields of cows many times in my life Never been afraid of cows, never had any issues with cows. And uh, (laughs) I have walked as far as a place called Hapton, which is the first sort of half of the walk. I've intentionally not walked beyond there because I don't want it to be an entirely known quantity. I don't want to have it down to a science of, it's going to take me 46 minutes to get from this church to that one. It's going to take me 32 minutes to get to the next one. And it's this path. And then after that tree on the left, I go here. I kind of know my way about halfway because I wanted to check which of the different footpaths were usable because sometimes paths show up on maps that aren't there in reality. And sometimes paths are there in reality that don't show up on maps. So I have explored a little bit. And I went through, went into this field. I had a whole load of cows and I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. I'll just walk along. And I made it about 10 meters into this field. And all of the cows, like no joke, stopped what they were eating, grass and stuff, and swiveled their heads and looked straight at me. And I was like, oh, <laughs> this this doesn't feel quite right. So I took a couple more steps and they started Uh, one's closest to me, started taking some steps. And I was like, you know what? I'm not scared, but I'm going to turn around and get out of this field. So I start walking and I look over and I see one of the cows is walking a little bit faster than a walk, but not as much as a trot. And so I I was like, okay, I'm getting out here. Ran the last few meters, hopped the fence. And just after I hopped the fence, no joke, it rattled with this cow crashing into it. I turned around and there was 15 cows staring at me, pressed up against the gate, moving at me. And I was like,
0: if you get taken out by cows, man, (laughs) I wouldn't laugh, but how could I not? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Apparently four There's a list of things I think could happen.
0: happen Man, that would never have been on my radar. I'm glad I asked that question. (laughs)
1: so yeah and then it was interesting because i walked through another field of cows a little bit later and there was a farmer feeding them i was like oh these cows are much friendlier so they're like oh did you go through that field in such a place and i was like yeah Uh, yeah they chase us too it's not our cows it's you have a farmer but you know they're a a, a problem field of cows so yeah there has been an element of planning on that sense rain doesn't bother me too much i've got um waterproofs that i can wear if i need to I would probably have one in my bag um if there's any chance of rain at all um just in case uh when it was snowing i did a four and a half hour 12 mile walk through snow while it was snowing um it doesn't really phase me actually that was a a funny one because um the snow was kind of setting but kind of melting sort of the slushy kind of snow you get and i was walking across this field and it was really muddy and again, it's all about perspective. I was listening to uh Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast about the war in the Pacific, i.e. Uh, Japanese and uh American stuff on the different islands and so on. And you're hearing about these people making suicide charges in mud against large machine guns and so on. And I was kind of like, well, you know, if people can charge a machine gun in the rain and the mud and stuff, I can keep walking a little bit it's that sense of perspective actually what what's harder to keep going or to to stop and then also you get to a point where okay i'm out in the snow i'm out in the rain i'm out in the countryside i'm still three hour walk from home so just got to keep going
0: yeah i mean at that point you're better off just keep going yeah. the time's gonna pass out of the way better for you to be moving closer to your destination
1: my, my issue the, the thing i'm worried about isn't so much rain though it might rain but it's not likely but we're supposed to have a run of good good weather from this point onwards and so my fear is more of the other way what if it's too hot um i have a rucksack that i'm planning on taking with me that will take three maybe four bottles of water if i need it but realistically if it's hot i'm not someone that's terribly fond of hot weather um I might have to get someone to come and drop off some water for me along the way or, or something such. Cause the last thing you want is sunstroke or dehydration or something.
0: You know, one of the other questions I had as well, uh, was less on preparation and more on, uh, I guess, practicality, you know, people mm-hmm. are they're donating money, you know, you're raising uh, funds for this. Where mm-hmm. is that going? You know, is this going to a certain cause? Is it going to your church? where's all the the monetary uh the buildup that you have in support of what you're doing yeah where is that going and why
1: well so that's an interesting question and it's kind of a secondary question because my intention was to do this walk regardless um but i wanted to also use it as an opportunity uh to help our churches that have struggled with the lack of giving uh that's happened through people not being able to attend you know, you have people who do standing orders and direct debits and so on, but a lot of people still pay on a weekly basis through uh donations. And uh, we have 11 churches in our, in our team. We were, just a few months ago, six churches. But what's happened is that the neighbouring benefits of five churches has amalgamated in with our team. And so what we've got is a situation, basically, which is a national situation here in Church of England. We have more churches that can't afford to pay for their clergy, and so they get shared out between clergy. So basically, we have 11 churches. This is a symptom of churches not having enough money to be able to pay for a priest in their own church. They each have an obligation to pay a certain amount of money towards the diocese in order to pay for clergy. That goes towards their housing, it goes towards their salaries, it goes towards their training, it goes towards diocesan resources, and, and so on and so forth. But then you also have um, expenses that come from doing different projects, i.e. if you want to set up a food bank, there's a cost with that. If you want to run your church website, that comes with a cost. If you want to do alpha courses or if you want to advertise things, that comes with a cost. If you want to do things like we've done around, say, Christmas time when we have the switching on of the lights in the town or the Christmas lights, we will often have an event where we will light all the lights up on the church. We'll invite people in, we'll give them hospitality, like you know, tea, cake, or that, that kind of thing. But each of those things takes money, and sometimes it's only a little bit of money, sometimes it's more money if you're buying equipment, such as we recently have for uh, helping our streaming services and so on. And so, the money that's going to come in isn't going to go to any one particular church, but it's going to go to the whole team of 11 churches in order to help them to be able to fund and finance those small projects that will help them to grow and minister to the need that they have so at the moment it's not got a specific specified purpose but realistically depending on how much money we raise will affect the kind of thing that we're able to do with it so uh, i think
0: that's an yes i think that's an excellent breakdown you know to go where it's needed basically yeah and that's something that in no way do I feel that detracts from what it is you're doing, you know, and sometimes money, when it's brought up, it makes people uncomfortable. They, they, yeah. the, the money aspect taints, you know, the mission, you're, you're doing this for money. No, this is happening regardless. The money is just a, a additional benefit that can be used beyond just the walk mm-hmm. your walk, your pilgrimage. The example you said, the, the people that inspires, what a beautiful thing that is alone, you yeah. know, and then you add on to that. Well, what if? by doing this we can inspire those who want to support these good causes they they yeah. want to give money to somewhere they know is going to be a good you know use of the funds as opposed to somebody's extra boat you know or yeah. a yacht or whatever for them you know they want to give it to somewhere where they're like this is going to a good purpose for someone that's doing a good thing so that's yeah. how i see it and you know i i certainly hope you know after this airs i can help you know send some eyes your way and hopefully they'll see the benefit of this make the yeah. donations and we can help the churches man and, then, and was- again to what you're doing, dude, It's that goes back to that aspirational. It's like, you're going to make people better people. They want to yeah. help, and you're giving them an outlet to do so.
1: And, and it's it's interesting because a lot of the money obviously has to go on the stuff that we have to pay. A lot of people quite like history, and they're happy to pay towards the physical bricks and stones of the buildings. Um, you know, We're dealing, particularly in Norfolk, with medieval buildings that are far older than your country oh my god just just history begins in
0: 1776
1: (laughs) i'm slipping it in for jeff's benefit who i know is listening to this (laughs) um you know we, we for instance have in one of our churches um a chest that dates back to 1150 or something such so you know that's the kind of era we're talking about and sometimes there's money that goes towards a building and that's great but these buildings are for people And so what this money is hopefully going to be used for is projects that will work with the people within these buildings. Because if you give the money specifically for the upkeep of the building, to be honest, it's a black hole. These buildings cost an inordinate amount of money to repair, to maintain, to look after, particularly if you want to do them any justice to their historical legacy. And that is important. But there's no point preserving a building that's not going to be used. And so this money will go towards helping people who will be using these buildings. Um, some of that will be in religious and uh, sort of prayerful ways. Some of that might be more community spirit organizing sort of coffee mornings and so on for intergenerational work between kids and adults, you know, all those kinds of things. So that's what we're hoping this will help towards.
0: That's excellent. It's a beautiful add on to something again that was it's happening regardless. Yeah. to to give that outlet to people again, I think that is an important component to this, and I think people will be taking advantage and I really look forward to seeing that secondary gift you can give, not through your example but through you know the means to help them help themselves you know and we're we're really big on that you know with with the work you and I do together you know within uh, f o e and whatnot of helping men kind of take charge of themselves, you give them the tools, they put them to work well, money is a tool, and hopefully yeah. those churches will get enough to help them get to some of the things that they need done that otherwise they would not have. And COVID's hit many people hard, you know, they pulled back a lot. And just to see you take this on. And again, that beacon, it's like, you're a moving lighthouse, man. Throughout this entire walk. It's a beautiful thing.
1: And that's one of the humbling things. One of the um, the comments on the just giving uh, someone gave $10 and they said, you know, I'm sorry, it's not more, but I'm on a limited budget. You know, they message elsewhere saying, "You know, COVID's hit hard, but I wanted to do something." We completely understand that everyone's been hit by COVID, and I, uh, you know, that's why what I really want to offer you is prayer. If you are someone who's listening to this that has been struggling, perhaps you're out of work, perhaps you're worried you might lose your job, or maybe your family have got health issues. You know, we all know people that are suffering with health issues that are not COVID but that have not been treated because the hospitals have been preoccupied with COVID. You know, if there's any of those situations that you would like someone to be praying for, um, I would encourage you to contact me either. Zach will have the links below. Um, Twitter is probably your best bet by DMs. Instagram works as well. Um, It's at Samuel S. Thorpe. And just say, Hey, my name is this. Please pray for, if you want, or just say your name or the name of the person I'll write it down in this book. And I will pray for you on the walk. If you're listening to this at some point in the future, which given it's YouTube and a podcast is possible. And you're listening to this after the pilgrimage has happened. Then that's not to say that you can't reach out and ask me to pray for you. I'm a priest. I live to pray for people. So get in touch. And I'm more than happy to do that.
0: Sam, you covered the big three questions i had is there anything maybe i'm not privy to that you wanted to bring up that you wanted to share that you know is something that's on your mind or you're interested in letting people know that again outsiders wouldn't really know
1: there is, there's one detail about it that i have found interesting in the reaction to it at the end of the video that we took the clip from at the beginning uh, you see a clip of me walking through the woods wearing a, a cloak. And it's from a company called Fell and Fair. They make things for people that enjoy live action ro- uh, role play. So LARPing, literally. And some people have sort of found that a little bit funny. Like, why would I wear that? And so I think that it would be perhaps helpful or interesting for you to hear a little bit of rationale behind it. As I've said before, I want this to be a pilgrimage and not a hike. One of the things that I have learned the power of um, through my curacy is the importance of vestments and robes. There is a different presence that you have as a priest when you're standing there at a funeral, when you're wearing the robes that say that you are a clerk in holy orders, that you have your academic hood, that you have done your study in theology, that says, trust me, I'm here to help you and hold you in your grief before God that you don't have if you're standing in a pair of jeans and t-shirt. I'm sure you probably heard similar things on here before. You've had Tanner on before, right? Tanner is all about the, um, the power of appearance or the appearance of power or whatever his book title is called. It's a great book. But actually what you wear shapes what you think and what you feel and how you do something. And or, my initial idea What I would do is walk in my cassock and that's a long black garment and it's June and it's likely to be hot. And I thought that, you know, it just wasn't sensible. And I hit on the idea of wearing a cloak, particularly a lightweight cloak, because they're surprisingly practical items of clothing. When it's cold, they help keep the wind off. When it's hot, they help you to stay aerated within it because there's sort of that layer between you and your legs And it's a similar experience to what I have when I wore a trench coat. I'm familiar with that uh, sensation. And so there was a practical element to it. But also, I have been deeply inspired by the visual imagery and metaphors that uh, you find in Lord of the Rings. You, You might notice that my hair is quite long and that I have a beard. This is not accidental. It's not just laziness. It's actually because when I was about nine or 10, and I first read The Lord of the Rings, I wanted to be like arable. And I wanted to be a ranger. I wanted to be someone that would you know, help, but perhaps not be in the centre of the limelight. And there is a slight Lord of the Rings journey style visual imagery going on by wearing the cloak. So people might say, oh, you're just LARPing. Maybe, but I find it helpful and I find it, will be able to make it more of a pilgrimage as a pilgrim. I also chose the colour of red on purpose. There's multiple different colours. You can choose almost any colour that you want. And I chose the red one because I wanted it to signify the blood of Christ. That I'm doing this underneath the banner of who Jesus is. And at this point, I have to shout out my friend Adam Lane Smith, who very kindly bought me that cloak specifically for this pilgrimage so that again gives it another layer of meaning for me this is a man that i've come to know very well we pray for each other all the time we're very good friends and his means of supporting me through this was to clothe me actually in a sense and there's something quite special about that so yes i will be doing the walk in a cloak um i might pack it in my bag if i get too hot but i actually think it will probably help if it's heat no, I, I, I do
0: not think you will have any regret years from now looking back on your choice of attire. <laughs> I think you're going to look badass. I've refrained from any curse words throughout this entire podcast, but I'm going with ass. <laughs> you're going to look badass, man. And I think it's cool. You know, like, I didn't even know that was a thing of like the whole LARPing, or, like whatever. Like I think Aragorn, Aragorn is, when you think of that, yeah, we've had this discussion many times. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's where I go. And when I heard of the pilgrim, like, dude, yeah, that's what you're going on. <laughs> like, I know exactly what you're doing here. Well, like, ima- this is-
1: imagine that scene <laughs> where you have uh, the fellowship going over the top of that mountain and heading through and you've got the music. That's very much how I'm feeling, like preparing for this. Not to make it into like a trivial thing, but actually it's the sense of grandeur and epicness and adventure that's really important. One of my favourite poems is one of Tolkien's poems, uh, The Road Goes Over On And On, Down From The Door Where It Began, and far ahead the road is gone, I must follow it if I can, pursuing it with eager feet until it joins some larger way, where many paths and errands meet, and whither then I cannot say. This is just the next stretch of that road, and I don't know exactly where it's going to end, and I will be joined by the bishop along the way, whose presence I'm immensely grateful for, but... Whether then, I cannot say. I don't know what impact this is going to have on everyone else. I don't really know until it's happened what impact it's going to have on me. But I'm pretty sure it's going to have an impact of some sort.
0: I can say without a doubt that the, the end of this specific journey of yours will initiate the beginning of many, many others, more than you'll ever know. And there, there's beauty to that. And again, when I, I, I work a lot with FIRE. That's just kind of how I see things. There's a fire and there's a fire in this journey. And when you go and you're at the end, it's like the Olympic torch. You know, you you make it to the cathedral. You achieved your journey in in this specific journey. There's more adventures to be had, but this one will be done for you in hitting that location. But when you light that beacon and others watch it and see you complete it, they see what you did and they look at themselves and why not me? All of a sudden they're lit. And then what they do with that, you may never know. Maybe many will tell you. We'll we'll find out, you know. And I look forward to having that discussion. But it doesn't start if you don't start mm-hmm. that first step outside your door. You know, it it changed Frodo. It changed Bilbo. <laughs> it, yeah. Everyone that first step outside that door it changed everything. You think about Samwise. This is the furthest I've been from home. You know, when he's at the mm-hmm. cornfield or the the farmer's field. You know, that's gonna be you. Yeah. And that's there's something to be said. And and let you know, as people say, oh, you know, you're blah blah blah. blah you're doing it. That, that's, that's not, not the, this pilgrimage is not a role. This is actual mm-hmm. life. This is a real life pilgr- pilgrimage sure. you are going on. And dude, I could not be more, more proud of you pumped okay. for you. And dude, it's just, even now I'm kind of constraining that, that energy that I have just from like, man, like, look what you're going to do, brother. Like mm-hmm. this is going to change lives. going to change your life. You're going to check it off. You're going to be talking about people yours to now. Like, Hey, remember when you did that? Yeah. I did that. Yeah, it's just another thing. It's just what I do. It's like, what do you mean? That's just what you do. Nobody does that. <laughs> but here you are, man. And it's-,
1: it's an interesting conversation. When you know, I was talking to my wife the other day, and it's like, oh, I'm not going to go for a long walk. It's only going to be eight miles. Like, only eight miles. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess my perspective on this has shifted a bit. And it's a shift that anyone can do because actually, one of the great things about walking, if people want to specifically do something like walking, is it's one of the lowest stress things on your body. And your body very quickly adapts to each new distance and timing that you make it so i mean i found that my half marathon time is now about three hours 40 is my best i average three hours 45 50. um you know I was, i'm really pleased with that i have now at the point where my feet have adapted so that i don't get blisters until about mile 18 19 which is going to be good so it means that you know i might have some blisters as i'm walking into the cathedral but I'm not going to have them until I'm close to the cathedral, hopefully. Even if I do, I will.
0: I was going to say, even then you won't show it until it's done. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm fine. That wait till later that night. Oh, boy. And,
1: <laughs> and it's all the different layers and details of this. So we mentioned my book of poetry. That was a, a, a learning curve for me, and it gave me a lot of confidence that I could do stuff. Walking so much, I had boots that were falling apart, just wasn't working. The boots that I will be wearing are the boots that I basically spent all of the money I made for my book on these boots um, as a tangible thing. So it all comes around in cycles. One thing that you do will lead to success in another endeavor that you do that will set you up for the next thing. So I'm going to focus on this one on June 9th, and we'll see where it takes me, other than the cathedral, and where I go after that. So Sam... For
0: those who listen to the podcast, they want to support what you're doing. Mm -hmm. What's the best way for them to interact with you? What's the best way for them to find and support this cause?
1: So best way to find me personally, if you want to message me about um, asking for prayer, would be on Twitter at Samuel S. Thorpe, without an E on the end, Uh, link in the description. If you want to find information about the pilgrimage if you want to watch the video and you want a link to the donation thing the best place to go would be to this team which is our church's website and on the front of there you'll see um a picture of me in my cloak and it will say find out information about samuel's pilgrimage and it will have a bit of a background there have a video and the link to a just giving page
0: and now a word of encouragement or advice for anybody listening to this that wants to take on their own version of what it is you're doing. They want to go out and make a change as well. They want to go and be an example and sort of inspire others or just do something that matters and is maybe greater than themselves. What do you have to say to them?
1: I think it's advice that you once gave me, which is that your role in helping people is not to make them be you it's to make them be them. And earlier on, I mentioned that I could have just done a pilgrimage to Walsingham on an established route, but instead I wanted to do something that had meaning to me and to plot my own way. So maybe this doesn't inspire you to go for a long walk, but there's that thing that's your passion, that's that thing that might not even be vivid enough to call a passion. It's just that thing that you drift to, that you gravitate towards, that you could do more of and do it better. So find that thing, enjoy it, and see where it takes you. And before you know it, you'll be, you know, black belt in jitsu, or you'll be backpacking across mountains, or you'll be flying a, a hang glider off a cliff.
0: Why is that where your brain went? That's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, so, nah, I'll like, do the other ones, not that one.
1: <laughs> I, I randomly got recommended on YouTube the other day, a video of someone who almost died in a hang glider accident. Their safety equipment failed. And fortunately, they have their hands on the bar. Otherwise, they would have just dropped to their death and they managed to land on the beach. And and I was like, huh, that actually made it look kind of easy. Like, obviously, the equipment <laughs> failed. Obviously, the equipment failed, but it was a, a mistake with where they put the carabiner. But if they put the carabiner in, it looks like, I mean, I'm sure people who like this kind of sport would tell me it's much harder than this, but it looks like you get buckled in you get you jump off the edge of a cliff and you just move your weight around and you float and you enjoy it and i was actually like this looks like something i'd be interested in doing and i uh, told my wife oh i watched this video where someone nearly died and sort of glossed over that bit because i was excited about the hang gliding idea she was like but you might die like they nearly died like what but no that's uh, that's on my mind hang gliding oh,
0: oh. <laughs> i'm glad that's how we connected those dots Sam, I want to thank you for your time. You know, I know you're a busy man. You've got a lot going on. Getting this linked up, I'm super pumped we were able to connect. So thank you for your time and coming on and thank you for sharing your insights.
1: Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share this and for a wonderful conversation. How's that?
0: Yes, sir. I wish you, again, the absolute best of luck for anybody that's tuned in and wanting to support. All the links are below. Again, watch the video. It's motivational as hell. It really inspires you to think beyond just yourself and the small things that we have going on in our lives. This is... This is about something bigger and I'm really glad I was able to talk and I'm hoping to, to amplify the message and get it out there. So this has been another episode on the Family Alpha podcast. Again, stay strong and don't just listen to what we're talking about. Take the information, apply it to your life and improve. Take care.
1: God bless. Thanks for listening. You
0: can join our private men's only community at thefraternityofexcellence.com. And don't forget to find Zach on Twitter and Instagram with the handle at ZachSmall
1: underscore.